1: Well, I heard that this uh, campus is the campus that's going to give the devil a black eye. Is that right? <laughs> it's the one that's 25-30% children. Is that amazing? You Latin lovers. <laughs> Come on. But you got to have a lot of kids, you know. You always ruin the first couple, so you got to have more. <laughs> no, that's okay. Only kidding. But it's wonderful to be in a place where people still believe that children are a blessing. That children are a gift from God. That children were placed in our responsibility. That children have a purpose. They're not a burden. They're a blessing. They're the heritage of God. You know what? They're not even ours. They're God's. And he lends them to us to take care of them, to teach them. The Bible says to teach your children. They're arrows. They're in your family for a purpose. God has made a foundation, and that foundation is good. He created man and woman, male and female, on purpose. Amen? On purpose. He placed marriage, he instituted marriage, a man and a woman, a place where children can grow in safety, in a safe environment, because he loves those children so very much. They're the arrows that will be shot out. So many years ago, we shot out Stacy. Landed in a good place, right? How many know that, that the arrows are to be placed? You don't just drop arrows. You just don't have a few arrows. You don't go into war with two arrows, you know. You have a bunch of arrows, but those arrows need to be made. You know, in the old days, in the Bible days, there were no such thing as arrow factories. (laughs) Each arrow was handmade, each arrow had to be formed, it was a process. How many know our salvation is not just an event, but it's a process that God wants to build into us? We're talking about foundation, the foundational things that God does in our lives. When God in Genesis finished his work and he He set man and woman, he set marriage and he set the family, he said it was not only good, it was very good. Amen? And today the world is fighting against the very fabric that God created. Family is the fabric of society. Children are a blessing of the Lord. They're the arrows. And that arrow has to be formed. It has the point, the gifts and the talents, and the call that's gonna go where that arrow's gonna go. And it has the shaft that's long. It takes time and it takes working. And then, then finally you put those feathers on the back a character that guides that arrow to where God wants to place it. I remember when we shot out Stacy. That, that, that arrow wiggled a little bit, but <laughs> she called me up about a year after she was here, said, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the slums. I'm, <laughs> I'm answering phone calls for a job. I'm out of money. I don't know what's going on i don't have direction i said honey god's placed you there a year from now you're going to be laughing about this amen and it was about a year after that you were laughing about that right so you expected me to just send her money say come home you have a you have a place in our ministry and which i could have done but i knew that god had placed her in a good family in a good place Now, there's something important about our kids, something important that God has has established. The Bible says that train your children in the way that should go. Train the child. It speaks of one child, one at a time, one arrow at a time. Train the child in the way he should go, and he will not depart. They will not depart later on. That word train in the Hebrew means to touch the palate. It's a phrase that, would, that was connected to that, to that word in the Hebrew. And, and, and in the Hebrew family, the, the mother, she would uh, chew food. When the babies were small and began to eat, she would chew food and, and get it soft, and then she would take it out and put it into the mouth of the, of the child. And, and, and it was because God wanted the children to have the same taste the same likes as their parents. You're passing on, transforming your desires. God wants the same taste in your children. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If there's anything you hear this morning is that you want to place a hunger and thirst for the word of God and for Jesus and the spirit of God in your children's lives. You want them to have that taste, that desire. It wouldn't be uh, very nice if, if uh, the, the, the uh, Hebrew woman was walking down the street and then somebody else, you know, took a lob out of their mouth and put it in the child's mouth, right? You wouldn't want that. But that's what happens today. That's what happens today. We give our children real quick. We, we have what's called pre, 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 pre kinder. Sometimes I wonder why parents want to have kids. It seems like the object of the game is to get rid of them as quick as possible. But God has told us to train our children, us to feed them the Word of God. Do you know? Uh, it's a blessing this uh, institute that you're that you're making and where where. Parents can be involved in their children's lives while they're learning, they're teaching, they're learning from their, from their family. It's a proven fact that children can learn three times faster from their parents than from anybody else. It's a God-given anointing, it's a God-given principle that God is, has placed in us. I used to do a thing with the church, you know, I'd, I, I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, we're, looking for qu- we're looking for people to teach Sunday school. And uh, so we want to know, you know, what kind of qualifications should they have? You know, should they, should they be in the church for a while? Oh yeah, yeah, they should be in the church for at least so long, you know. Should they know the Bible? Yeah, they should know the Bible. Should they be saved? Yeah, they should be saved. Uh, have a heart for kids. It, and, you know, a whole line of all these characters. Everybody's in agreement. I said, well, that's for Sunday school. They're gonna be with your kids a half hour. Now, what about Monday school? where they're gonna spend six, six hours with your kids every single day. You're gonna spend about 20 minutes with them. What about Monday school? God wants us to place that foundation in our children. God wants us to teach and to pass our desires and, and, and what, what God has placed into us into them. We're talking about this, this uh, uh, foundation. Do you know where school really started? I mean, school is, is basically a new thing, sending your kids out to school. The first place that that happened was in Egypt. First place that parents send their kids out was in Egypt. It, it really is only like 100 years ago that, that we started sending our kids to the government to teach our kids. It's an experiment. It's not going very well. Right. See? But, but, but for, for most, most of history, parents taught their children's. And then, and then, you know, we got a great idea. Well, give them, give them, let let's the church do it. And then we had, we had uh, 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 Christian schools, right? And that sounded good. And then, and then they have problems with that, you know, because it was a cleaned up public school ended up. And th- and then we went from there to the to the government, give them to the government. And now we're seeing that it's going all the way back again. <laughs> How, how, you can't you can't better God's foundation. When God places a foundation, it's found. He's not changing. God does not change. There's no shadow of changing. There's this whole world right now. The devil behind. In, uh, 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 Pushing people and people believing that they can change the foundation. They can say, No, your foundation, God, the way you want things to work is not right. We're going to change it. But let me tell you something God's foundation is sure and it's not going anywhere. Now, when God places us, that doesn't mean that we don't have problems. In Isaiah 28 16, we see how God builds, how he prepares. You know, we reflect in the, in the past. We think about our past, but God reflects in the future because he knows what he's going to do. He begins to plan for adversity. He begins to plan to place that foundation in each person. And he says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, he's telling us, this is 500 years before this happened, before he placed Jesus as a firm foundation. Therefore, the sovereign God says, look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is precious, a cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whosoever believes need never be shaken. You don't drop arrows, you shoot them. You place them. There's a target. God places you. If you're here this morning, it's not an accident. You just didn't fall in here. God places you. And if you stay here you will grow you will you will you will have a firm foundation in your life and you'll begin to to bring forth fruit yeah. It worked God doesn't didn't raise any brat He sent Jesus I often think you know God placed Jesus in that time in history God placed Jesus in a family God placed God, Jesus was born of a virgin, a couple. They weren't even married yet. Came time for the birth. No, no place to, to, to have the baby. Herod's out tra- killing babies. Uh, and I often think, you know, if I was God, I would have planned it a little better. <laughs> <laughs> but how many know God knows what he's doing? God knows what, he, what he's doing. It's it's for a plan and a purpose. Because God places us does not mean everything is going to go right. He has built-in adversity for us, built-in adversity for us. In 1989, I had an idea. Uh, Women, your husbands will have ideas. I always tell people I never had a bad idea. We never have, guys don't have bad ideas, never. Only when we go and put them into practice, we find out, yeah, yeah, maybe. So we were serving in our church in New York for 12 years and, and a friend of mine went, uh to ecuador as a missionary we brought him up to our church we started to support him i started to support him our our family started to support him and i told him that when you're down there you know for a while we'll come come and visit you now at the time we were lauren and i were planning our our uh, anniversary and and also kind of a second honeymoon because our first honeymoon was a disaster <sighs> I tell people I remember. I even remember before we got married, I went to to buy the rings, you know, for because uh, we were going to get married in a little bit in a little while. And uh, what's the story again? Pawn shop. Pawn shop. I keep forgetting the. I guess I try to get it out of my mind. <laughs> But I went to the pawn shop, you know, and, I, and, and the gentleman said, yeah, well, what can I do for you? I said, I'm buying, I want to buy rings. I'm getting married. He says, okay, well, how much do you want to spend? I said, $30. He said, is that for one or for two? I said, for two. <laughs> then he kind of pulled me aside, you know, away from Lauren. And, and he says, son, I, I think you better think about this. <laughs> You've got to think this thing through. So anyway, I come to Lauren one day and I said, you know, we're, we're planning this second honeymoon. We're gonna go to Cancun, you know, pina coladas and, and the beach and in a hotel and it's, and it's all nice. I said, but you know, I, I've been praying, I think, wouldn't it be a good idea if we just gave, our, gave that to the Lord and instead we went to the mission field? <laughs> And she thought about it a little bit and said, (laughs) OK. Actually, she just said, oh, and I took that for an (laughs) OK. We went down there, and uh, we landed in Guayaquil. in In the tourist books, it's called The Pearl of the Pacific. This is 32 years ago. What they don't tell you is that the pearl is still in the shell. (laughs) This place was... We landed there. We got it. We we got in this hotel. My friend didn't know decent hotels. He didn't know that city very good because Quenca is up in the mountains. This was down on the coast, and we got in this shabby hotel and and uh, and uh, we looked out the window. And my wife was you know frantic. And I'm like, what, what's the problem? You know there's there's guys they're peeing in the street. They're just you know by the tree you know over there. There's a there's a, there's an open market. You know meat hanging. You look like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where did you take me? And uh, she's very allergic to, uh, to, to, to mosquito bites and that kind of thing. And, and uh, so there's, a, there's this air conditioner in the room with a big gaping hole over it. So, you know, so I find this telephone book, and I put it in the hole. And, and I, I shut the window. And we have you know lovely two single beds. <laughs> Try to calm her down. We get to sleep, finally. Two o'clock in the morning, the telephone book falls out, hits me in the head. I jump up. I start doing karate. I figure we're getting attacked by, you know, these people of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But, but all of a sudden, I feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of God. And I start to pray. And the Lord says, I have placed you here. I've called you here to be a part of the team. I said, "Okay, Lord, but just don't say anything to Lauren. (laughs) You know how she is. And so (laughs) we were there for two weeks, and she was always nudging me. I hope you're not thinking about moving here. Hope you're not thinking about moving here. But to make a long story short, that's a whole story in itself. But a year later, we we disconnected, and we, we came down to Ecuador. And it was difficult. <laughs> because God places us doesn't necessarily mean that there will be no problems. In my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, you're going to really honor this. I'm going to be a missionary. There's got to be a big smile on your face. You know, I'm going to go to Ecuador, and then, you know, the, the dollars are just going to fall, the red carpet, people are going to sing praises, people are going to get healed, miracle signs and wonders, the church is going to, going to grow. And, and, and when I got there, I found out that, that they called Ecuador the cemetery of missionaries. It was called the Vatican of South America, staunch Catholic Difficult, coming through the, the Indian uh, uh, cultures. Little churches of 25, 30 people. It was it was a difficult time. Lauren waddled off the plane, seven months pregnant, three children with my fourth child on, on, uh, on the way. Two months later, born there in Ecuador, my little guy, Justin. He's doing good. He's still there. And we began to minister. God places us. God places us. And it was years that we were 60, 70 people. We started with one connect group. That's what I love about this church, is the core, the foundation of this church it's the same people that came in the beginning that are here today. And we started that, 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 that connect group. And the, the very same people that were in that group today, 32 years later, are our pastors, are our leaders. And as we stayed there, God began to do miracles. Miracles. And the churches began to grow and we we had one church. Thousands of people began to get saved and we planted 10 churches. We planted a radio station. We're the only Christian radio station in Cuenca, Ecuador. We have a a medical foundation that we saw 22,000 patients last year. And Jesus was Jesus is saving and delivering and and raising up people. Doing miracles. Wonderful to see what God does. Before we went to the mission field, my business was a car wash. I called it the car wash. (laughs) It was a long. Long building, you know, with all the machines in there, kind of scary. It had a conveyor belt and and a very simple process. You only had to do three things. And we'd come and tell the people, you need to take your hands off the steering wheel, put the car in neutral, take your foot off the brake. You will not believe how difficult that is for people. (laughs) We had people that, you know, we come on in. The car doesn't move, you know, come on in. The car doesn't move, <laughs> like walk up. So you got your foot on the brake. No, my foot's not on the brake. And they're mashing the, you know, they're mashing the brake. Or, or sometimes they'd start going through and then, then they put their foot on the brake or they try to steer. Other people told me, I don't have neutral. I said, every car has neutral, <laughs> trust me. But you know, it's tough to do that. It's tough to take your hands off the wheel and guide your own life. It's hard to take your foot off the brake and allow somebody else to sew into your life, to put your life in neutral and begin to learn and be founded and let God work in your life. But just like the car, if you allow that to happen, it goes through the car wash and it comes out the other side clean. Hallelujah. Ready to serve, ready to do what God called you to do. How many know that, uh, that, that Israel left Egypt and that it only took 11 days to walk to the promised land? That's all it takes, 11 days to two weeks. It took them 40 years and they still never got in because they never learned to take their hands off the steering wheel, to take their foot off the brake, to allow God work in their lives. <laughs> to understand that the trials and the adversity that we'll face is not to show us that God isn't with us, it's not to hurt us. It's not punishment. It's to God, it's to let God show us that he is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to be with us. God wants to be with you. Let's listen to that verse again. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing you a foundation stone, firm and tested. It's precious, a cornerstone self to build on, safe to build on. Whosoever believes need not be shaken. Need not be shaken. God has placed you in this house because he wants to work on you. He wants to create his foundation in you. You know, the foundation is the part that, that you don't see. I've never had anybody come to my house and say, Bob, I've never. It's an awesome foundation that you have. <laughs> never seen a foundation like that. Nobody says that. But it's the most important part of the, part of the building. You know, when the storms come, Jesus said they will come. It doesn't matter if you build on the rock or you build on the sand. Either one, they're both. The storms are coming, but there's one basic difference, difference, and it's a great difference. The one house stands is still standing there after the after that uh, a storm comes. We have a, a a town up in the northern part of Ecuador. A few years ago. And and, it's a beautiful city and beautiful buildings, and they all look alike. It's so wonderful. This morning, you all look so wonderful and beautiful. But some are placed on the foundation. Some have a strong foundation on the rock, and sometimes we build on, others build on, on sand. If you listen to what the world says, you build on, it's easy to build on sand. You know, you just, everything, you know, you set it right up real easy, but you want to build on the rock. You have to dig. You have to get the roots out. You have to get the rocks out. It's a process. It's not easy. It's difficult. And just because it's difficult doesn't mean that it's, that it's not God. When God places us and, and things are, are difficult. It's not because no, no, it's not God. I have so many people come up for prayer. Bob, I'm in this, I'm in this job and, and my boss is cruel and the secretaries lie and, and, and they're doing things that shouldn't be done. Could you pray for me that God would, would give me another job? And I, and I would tell them, I said, you know, we need to pray for you because, hey, maybe you're the only Christian. You're the only light. How many know the Bible says that we're the light and the salt of the world? not of the church, of the world. God has placed you there. Probably you're the only person there that can reach those poor people that are starving, that they're bound, that they're going through stuff that only somebody who is walking with the Lord can touch their lives. And so that's important that we understand. That our promise is there, but God needs to teach us. As, as the Israelites left Egypt, it was only an 11-day walk, but it took so long because they weren't in that learning process. They resisted trusting and believing God. They doubted God at every time. The Bible says that he tried Israel 10 times, and 10 times they failed. David was anointed king. He kills Goliath. Goliath and then his life turns to hell where Saul is chasing him through hunting him like a like a rabbit in the field but God was forming him molding him putting those putting that shaft together smoothing it out putting the point on putting the feathers on Moses leaves tries to do it himself he tries to do the stealing he kills uh, uh, an Egyptian <laughs> And God says, okay, I have a little lesson for you. What is it? 40 years in the desert. 40 years tending sheep. How many know that God's not in a hurry? It don't matter. The distance doesn't matter. It's what God wants to do in your life. Like I said in the first service, there was a a wonderful preacher that came and preached in our church in, in New York during the time of crisis. And he said, listen to me. It's not so much what you're doing God is not interest, so much interested in what you're doing. He's interested in what you're becoming. Are we becoming sons and daughters, women of God? One of the things that God showed us when we got there in that, in that time in Ecuador was to appreciate the fact that there were foundations that that house wasn't built yet, but there was foundations. A 100 years of missionaries going to Ecuador. Ecuador was one of the least evangelized uh, uh, countries in South America. It was less than 1% Christian, born-again Christian. It was a difficult field. And when we first got there, uh, I'll tell you the truth, uh, if it wasn't for my wife, it wouldn't have happened. She's the one, while I was out learning Spanish, playing basketball with the guys, she was in the house teaching the children. We homeschooled all four children. She was there day after day after day. I helped her, but she, she took that, that, and she gave her life. <clears throat> Men, we need to appreciate our wives. God has an order. Paul told Timothy, I wish that all men everywhere in the churches have their hands raised up, holy hands raised up. All the guys learn the, the scripture that I'm the head of the house. And <laughs> They don't keep on reading, you know. And that you, and that the man loves his wife and gives himself to him as Christ gave himself to the church, so will the man give himself and serve his wife. Hallelujah. Real, a real guy knows how to sweep the floor. Amen. Let's wash the dishes. God's gonna do a great work. And when things are in confusion. You know, today, the devil thinks he really has the church cornered. He's pushing his agenda, Hollywood agenda, worldly agenda, and he thinks he has the church cornered. But let me tell you something. God's foundation is sure, and God doesn't change. He's not changing his mind. They can tell you that, no, it's not a man and a woman. No, it's not a family. We'll re we'll redo a family. We'll tell we'll we'll have we're going to have, you know, the smorgasbord family, you know, it can look like different. You know, it could be a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl. It could be a girl and a dog and a cat and a mouse. You know, it, it could be it could be all different things. But but God says it's one thing. It's what he placed. And I remember even before we before I was saved, You know, as we look back in our lives, we can see God's hand. We can not see it a a lot of times when it's happening, but when we look back, we see how God was there when we didn't think he was there. I lived in upstate New York, and 45 minutes from my house was a place called Woodstock, a little town called Woodstock. And one time, you know, all the the news that there's going to be this major concert there. We're gonna. We're expecting 20,000 kids. I was in there somewhere. It was a disaster. <laughs> Drugs, alcohol, immorality, hippies, you know, long hair, the whole. The second day it rained, it was a complete mess. You know, and and one would think this is going to call down the judgment of God. But the response of God, a few years later, was a revival. And it wasn't a revival normal like through the churches. Even the churches didn't want these people. Dirty hippies, you know, long and drug and involved. And, but, but, but like we sang that song this morning, it, w- it was a revival in the streets, in the parks, in the beaches right here in in 1972 in laguna beach california i knelt down on the beach and i received jesus as my savior (laughs) miraculously god's response was mercy and grace it says in timothy that mercy triumphs over judgment i love john 3:16 that says for god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son whoever believes in him will not perish but, but receive eternal life but the next verse is very important and god put it there because he wants us to understand that he loves us he says i have not come to condemn the world but that the world through me will be saved That's what his desire is for us. God doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to bless you. He wants to place you. He wants you to be his arrow. He wants to put you in a place where you can grow, where you can flourish. He said you'll be in the house of the Lord. The righteous man is by rivers of living water. You will drink and you will flourish and you will grow and you will prosper. The promises of God are yes and amen. That new building that you want to get in is is right over here. It doesn't even take 11 days to walk through it, like the promised land, right? But the distance does not matter. What matters is what you learn here. In this preparation time, as you take your hands off the steering wheel, as you allow God to work in your life, I got an inkling that you're going to get in there a lot quicker than you think. Amen. Hallelujah. As we take our hands off the steering let God work in you. You will get there. My dad, he always come up with these phrases. He says, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> nobody wants to pay the price. But the fact of the matter is we don't pay our own price. The Son of God came to pay that price that we could not pay. One more scripture before we close. Revelation three twenty. God told the uh, the seven churches. He, he he told the seven churches one thing that he told to every single seven of the seven churches. He says, "I know your works. Okay, I know what you're trying to do, steering your own life. I know what you're trying to do. I know your works." But at the end, he says, behold, I stand at the door. I, in my younger Christian life, I, I, being an Italian, I always thought that Jesus was part Italian. He loved to eat. The Last Supper, when he was raised from the dead, he first thing he did when he came into the room, he says, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a fish. He just ate. It says he ate it before them. He didn't even say, do you want any, you know? <laughs> this is all for me. I've had a rough three days. <laughs> On the road to Emmaus, you know, he, he walking, walking, but he always ends up going in the house. They're breaking bread. He's eating again. And now he says, I'm standing at the door of your life. And if you'll open the door, we'll have a meal together. I'll come into you and sup with you and you with me. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart this morning. The only part that we play in salvation is opening the door when we hear his voice. If you've heard his voice in this message this morning and God is tugging at your heart, if you've been struggling in your life, you say, Bob, I didn't come from a good family. I didn't have a a good dad that taught me the word of God. Well, let me tell you something. God loves you. King David said, when my parents let me go, the Lord will lift me up. When my parents fail, the Lord will, God will intervene and he'll give you a family that you didn't have. God will place you so that you can bring forth food. If you're here this morning, it's not an accident. You're an arrow in the future and God has placed you here because he's working on your heart. He's working in your life. He wants to make you that arrow that's effective, that will be launched out into the world and it'll bring forth fruit. But we need to open the door. He came to the world, the Bible says in John one, and the world didn't recognize him as God. He came to the Israel people, his own people, it says, and they rejected him. But it doesn't stop there. Thank you. By the by the grace of God, it says, but those. Who have received him he gave the right the power to become sons of god but those that received him those that opened the door and allowed jesus to come into their lives they became sons and daughters of god would you stand up with me this morning if somebody's here this morning and you've if you've not made that choice maybe you didn't know how to make that choice But God wants to give you an opportunity today. God placed you here. God has a calling on your life. The Bible says before the foundations of the world, God knew us and he would place us. God knows us better than we know ourselves and he knows what we need and he places us on purpose where we could grow. You're in a good place, but only Jesus can do it not only not just people but god has to do it god with us so if you'd like to open the door this morning raise your hand i want to pray for you if you've never opened the door to jesus consciously i'm not saying you don't believe in god or or you haven't gone to church or whatever but you've never (laughs) consciously said i want to open the door to god in my life is there a person here this morning that would like to pray Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. If you've struggled and you fell away, how many know God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances? The righteous man stumbles seven times, but the Lord lifts him up. God wants to lift you up this morning. If you need prayer this morning, you say, I need to I need to make that decision again and open that door. God is here for you. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray that you would touch that struggling person, Father. I pray that you touch that person that is having difficulty opening the door, Lord. They feel fear and anxiety. But you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. God has given you that power to open the door. God has given you that power to go back in. So I pray that you touch that person this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would touch that person, Father, and that they can make those decisions to allow God, allow you to work in their lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.
0: Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com